this is the part of Rassilon. I suppose that means I have to introduce people. <laughs> I'm Finn. You can follow me on Twitter at Finsip, um, F-I-N-N-T-I-P-P, where I mostly talk about rubbish, including Gallifrey. Um, and some of the other people on the show. Chris, he uses he, him. Hi. My Twitter handle is MedlockMadness, so that's M-E-D-L-O-C-K-M-A-D-N-E-S-S. Jane. Hey there. Jane, she, her pronouns. I am not a Twitterer, um, but maybe this will lure me back onto Tumblr, um, where you can find me at Jane Terrain, J-A-N-E-T-U-R-E-N-N-E. Hi. I have Twitter, so I don't post much about Doctor Who because it's a professional account. Scarlet underscore Ward with two T's. No relation, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Then my pronouns are they, them. And I am proud of my URL, but I don't want to link that to my actual Twitter account with my actual name. So sadly, I cannot say it. We also have Void, who uses they, them. Hi. Um, you can find me on Twitter at VoidlyThoughts. V-O-I-D-L-Y-T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S. Or you can also find me on Tumblr at Irving-Brexiatel. I'm not going to spell that one, because <laughs> you are listening to a Galloway podcast, so I assume you will know who that is. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't make assumptions. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are here because you've heard of Gallifrey and you want to listen to some people who like Gallifrey talk about it. But anyway, uh, that's where you can find me. Oh, and I should also mention that we actually, we have a Twitter. We are at Pod of Rassilon on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. And we have one follower on Instagram, and it's not one of my accounts, it's the one called... Doctor Who underscore Egypt. <laughs> so if you're listening, hello. You are literally our biggest fan. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now that we've like stumbled our way through that, <laughs> do we want to actually? Uh... Yes, I will stumble my way through the next part. I think it's important for our listeners to know that we have Narvin Cat and Romana Cat, both also part of this endeavor. This is a podcast about the Big Finish audio drama Gallifrey, which is a Doctor Who spin-off currently on its 11th season. We decided to do this because we're all big nerds who really love this show and who love talking to each other. And not too long ago we were talking about how we'd all like to do a re-listen and that's how we started to conceptualize this. This is going to be a sort of introductory episode, but usually what we'll do is uh, every week we are going to listen to one episode of Gallifrey, and then we're all going to sit down together and talk about it a bit. We're going to share our thoughts, say what we liked, say what we didn't like, etc. Um, a, a Gallifrey book club, essentially. And because we've all listened to the series before, we might sometimes get into stuff like story arcs and character development and all sorts of other fun things, while still having the episode of the week be at the, the core of the discussion. And that about sums it up. 
at least two-fifths of this podcast have ADHD, so we may get a little off-topic sometimes. What? No. This never happens. (laughs) (laughs) We did not begin the the recording of this with a half an hour discussion about sauce flavoured ice cream. Oh no, that wasn't (laughs) us. Okay, so I'm going to grab the reins here for a second. Yeah, we're just going to go over sort of how did we get into Gallifrey. Chris, do you want to start us off, seeing as you're the first letter of the alphabet? I mean, I know Chris's answer to why does he listen to Gallifrey. I think it was pretty much a case of, hi, I'm Finn. Do you listen to Big Finn? <laughs> Monarch is the president, and Arvin's loud in his dissent, and Leela has wise things to say, and they all live on Gallifrey. We're massive nerds who love this show. How you make friends, okay? <laughs> it was. And, and, and scandalously, at that point, whenever it was, just over four years Will ago, have been about that long, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't listen to anything Finnish. Uh, I knew of it. Um, but no, I, I didn't. And uh, it's a bit of a case of uh, falling down the rabbit hole after that. As many people have... That Finn should be getting commissioned for like all of the converts <laughs> in Burning Skies. But the uh, the weirdest thing is that um, it wasn't the first Big Finish I listened to. Um, I'd actually listened to a, a copy of uh, a, a seven. Um, I think it was a seven ace and, and Benny dust breeding, which has crispy master. Oh, that's a wild one. Um, yeah. Um, I think, I think it, it, it being given away free with something, you know. Um, I had listened to that several years earlier, but never really sort of. But yeah, because it's a bit of a wild one, hadn't sort of carried on with it. But the first one that I listened to when when I actually sort of fell down the rabbit hole, um, God knows how I actually kept going because the first thing that I listened to was Oh No It Isn't. So. Excuse you, Oh No It Isn't is fantastic. Right. It, it yeah, is but, a good no, story. It, it, oh no, it, it isn't. It is. When you come from America and have no idea what a panto is or is supposed to sound like, <laughs> it's a very <laughs> bad introduction to Benny, can I just say? <laughs> but it, it, it is. Oh no, it isn't. <laughs> but it is wild. I so... mean, like, it's, it comes from, like, the Benny VNAs, doesn't it? Like, of course it's wild. Mm. It was you know, New Frontiers and a lot of writers going, what's the wildest thing we can do with Doctor Who? And, I mean, a lot of them are like, ooh, the wildest thing you can do with Doctor Who is sex, or the Doctor has guns. It it comes from a long tradition of absolutely bananas books that are bananas in a lot of different ways, and not all of them good. Um, mm. In fact, a lot of the VNAs are pretty... It's sort of like miss and miss and hit, and then miss some more. But a lot of them do have their own kind of merits. They were kind of obsessed with being, like, edgy. This is not for kids. Yeah. So uh, a a good case of just because you can do it does not mean you should do it. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much. The first thing that I bought uh, was all of the Eight and Charlie up to, up to Zagreus. 
um, you know, but because Gallifrey was however many seasons in at that point, so probably only three at that point. Um, what two thousand and sixteen? Oh God, really? Um, Is it that recent lots for more. you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm used to right. Yeah. Everybody else in here has. It's been a while, gang. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Jane, particularly, yeah. you're like old galley fandom, aren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's nice. You know, that's good that you've got somebody who's for whom it is all not that distant in terms of you know first time. But that said, I did um, I did go through them at a ridiculous rate um, because I was still driving a lot. I was still driving to and from Oxford every week at that point. So yeah, so that just eats up huge amounts of time in the car. Yeah. You know, because you're talking, you know, it's a six hour round trip, but that does mean that you just listen to it all in a week, long burst. You've not, so, you've not properly re-listened to them since the first time you heard them, have you? Um, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, well, no, there's a chunk in the middle. So everything up to season five, I've re-listened to <laughs> relatively recently. Everyone just stops at season five. Like that's 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 what kills a re-listen. Yeah, it really is. It, it is. Which my inner tray is extremely miffed about. <laughs> I mean, want for one more season. The thing is, I just skip season five. Like yeah, I do that. <laughs> season a lot. six, yeah. I love, but season five is just yeah. I think it it feels a bit. Some of them, this isn't a great note to start the podcast on, really, is it? Um, <laughs> like I love this show with like more than I really should have reason to. Um, it got me through a really hard time at work. You know, a lot of Big Finish did that for me. I actually made Nate Briggs cry telling him that. Um, so that was fun. I had a really crap job, and there were these characters that were like, you know, I came to it from watching Babylon Five as well. It was recommended after I'd finished watching that. Um, and someone was just kind of like, it's space politics. And I was like, tell me more. And they were like, it's space <laughs> politics with Romana. And I was like, oh, that's, that's all I need to hear. Um, and I dumped my next paycheck on, I think, the first three seasons all in one go. Um, like, I hadn't even finished Weapon of Choice. I was like 10 minutes into it. And I was like, no, I need all of these. Um, I fell in love with it from minute one. You know, like the intro bit where like Brax comes out to talk to Leela and everything. And it was just... Narvin and Brax crouching at each other and being like, oh, how's Ravana? And, you know. Above apoplexy but below incandescence. Yeah, it's such a good line. And I was just like, who is this fucker? I love him. Also, he's awful. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing has changed. (laughs) What years did you start Gallifrey, uh, Thin and Void? Like, if it was Um, 2016 for Chris. Void was before me. I believe it was. No, I know this. It was 2013. Oh, technically 2014, because I. Well, okay. So I asked for them for Christmas, um, but my aunt gave them to me, and my aunt is not super tech savvy, so having to go on the Big Finish website, she just got the first thing on the list, which at the <laughs> time was season six. So I had the. Oh no! I just have, like, I, that's why I, I don't have a digital copy of it either, because I just got the, the physical copy. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
So I had that lying around for a bit before I could, I had the money to start buying them from the beginning. <laughs> oh no. That's, um, that's so weird because um, I started December 2013. I also asked for them for Christmas. Um, <laughs> and I did actually get the right one, but I did later get given season six as a gift before I could listen to it. I, I only owned like seasons one to three, and so I was like two seasons away from being able to listen to season six. So you can relate then? Yes. I had it like sitting around for like months, like just mocking me. Oh no. <laughs> I um. I started because I had stumbled on some Gallifrey fan art like <laughs> a while before I started. Like, I saw it probably like at least half a year, maybe even a full year before I started listening. And like, I saw, um, I've been sitting here clicking around trying to find it. And I believe if anyone is going to know what I'm talking about, it would probably be Jane. Because this is. Um, if it was that old, probably, yes. Live journal era. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through my life journal right now, um, trying to figure out when I got into Galley. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting here looking on more politics, trying to find this art. Yep. Um, just as, as you know, Finn was saying, like, Jane okay, was there like... for the... And I was just sitting there looking like, yep, sure was. <laughs> she sure um, was, yeah. But um, it's the art where um, Brex and Narvin are sitting in a high council meeting, and they're passing a note back and forth. <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to be Alice, and that is Alice, yes, I believe. Yes, and the problem is, I know that this person is named Alice, but I cannot remember what Maros, they go by. Mar uh, Thank you. Maros guys I knew Maros it was Maros guys. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely was... don't know if she, she wants it as two words or one, because a Maroski, right? I don't know if you say that that way either. It's another word for a malapropism, right? So, I have yes. Yeah. I've always been wondering, but yes, I saw that, yes. and then um, one of them throws the note back, and it says your loom, and that was <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, oh, these characters seem interesting um, for some reason, <laughs> and I just had to listen to this thing, um, and then I bought. So I didn't know about bundles at this point, so I bought the everything. I've bought that individually. Um, like I ordered season one, all of it in one go, but I didn't know that it was a bundle. I got each CD separately. Oh no. We 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 keep having like parallel experiences. I did the exact same thing. I, I did I, I did not realise there were bundles until season three I think and then I ended up with like two copies of the same audio because I, I figured oh. out a but that bundles were a thing halfway through and it ended up being the same price. <laughs> so I don't know if this would be the same for you, seeing as we started listening around the same time, but they were out of, obviously, since season one, two, three, um, is is only physical copies, and they were they were out of uh, copies of Weapon of Choice. Oh um, no! So I had three audios lying there that I couldn't start. So I remember I like. I spent ages, because um, I didn't know anyone in the fandom, I spent ages tracking down somewhere to listen to it, less than legally. Um, obviously, I had the CD on the way. Um, it ended up not arriving until like a month and a half later. So. Oh no. <laughs> but, oh. but anyway, so I, I, I found it. Just like I may have like taken one of the last copies then, because I, <laughs> if, if, if I got it in like late December, then, and you were ordering it in January. <laughs> Aww. Scar, 
you are now my nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're off the podcast now. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have to um we're gonna have to see who gets the podcast in the divorce. <laughs> but um but I, I found this website where it kept resetting for some reason. Like I don't know why, but I think I ended up listening to the first like five minutes of Weapon of Choice twenty times trying to listen to this audio. Now that's dedication. Um, yeah. The universe did not want you to get into Gallifrey. Those first five minutes are really good. To be fair, they are. But yeah, I did mean that at one point I could like reenact that entire scene from memory. <laughs> I don't think I can do it now, but I could probably do it if like if it was playing. I could do the words along with it. I will yeah. say that I have listened to it enough times to be able to do that. Yeah, same. So 2013 for the two of you, 2016 for Chris. What year for you, Finn? So it would have been May 2015, probably. Um, like, I have not been in the fandom that long. I mean, like, obviously there's, like, this whole the new fandom has sprung up. That was with big quotation marks. Um, <laughs> since then, kind of, like, since the Time War box set started coming out and things like that, obviously more people have got involved because they're doing other stuff. And, like, that's a very different kind of fandom as well. There's some quite interesting differences there. Um, so it's, like, to me, Gallifrey will always be seasons one to three. Like, that is my favourite Gallifrey. And, like, all of the Gallifreys are valid, but to me that's the bit that I fell in love with. Is Intervention Earth valid Gallifrey? No, because Trey's mean to Narvin. Um. <laughs> That's not Trey! That's not Trey! That's Fine, Romana, Romana 3. 3 is mean to Narvin. <laughs> yes, she is. I don't like Romana 3. <laughs> but it also has the Time Lord boss battle music, so we can't we can't invalidate it that much, because it's incredible. It's so unnecessary, and yet absolutely amazing. <laughs> Okay, if we're obviously gonna have one Trey stand, am I allowed to bring up Celty even though no one knows who she is? Yes. We could listen to that episode at some point. <laughs> yes, right, please. I feel like Zagreus, Zagreus will be a special episode for us someday. Oh, that's gotta happen. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Erasure too. I think, would also be a very good... Oh, yeah. yes. The Apocalypse Element. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, too. Apocalypse Element we have to do. Yeah, I think yes. Neverland is probably on, on the list somewhere as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Neverland and Zagreus were kind of what got me to listen to Gallifrey, because I've been listening to Big Finish beforehand, because um, I am losing my mind. I am running out of podcasts to listen to. This was back in the old days when there weren't as many fiction podcasts that were, like, really, like, big and popular, and I was, I was still sort of stumbling into the world of them. So, like, that was kind of, like, I listened to Night Vale and, like, Thrilling Adventure Hour, maybe one or two others, but, like, I was listening to stuff the whole time I was at work, and I was burning through material really, really quickly. So my friend was like, there's this thing called Storm Warning, you should listen to it. Um, it freaked me out because the the breathing audio in it's horrendous, it's really spooky. Um, but I was like completely, massively drawn in by it, so I worked my way through like the first kind of 50, and I was losing the thread a little bit with the, uh, with the Charlie and Eight stuff at that point. Because like that's the bit where they get into like the alternate universe stuff and the well, anti time thing and we, it's it's yeah, it's a whole I mean, the thing. Divergent yeah, universes. I know. You know that is. Yeah, why. like so. Like yeah. I've been listening. I'd, I listened through Neverland and Zagreus, and like I kept going with the the eight thread stuff, and I was like, I'm not enjoying this now. Um, like maybe it was because I was listening to it, marathoning it. I don't know. But I was like, I'm not enjoying this at this point. Um, I need to find something else. 
and I'd remembered in one of the behind the scenes somebody mentioned this thing about Gallifrey and I was like that sounds really interesting so I'm like clicking around on the Big Finish website I think something came across my dash and my friend back in Canada was kind of like oh have you listened to Gallifrey yet and I was like what is this thing it sounds very interesting and he was just like space politics you like Babylon 5 it's space politics on Gallifrey with time travel and I was like okay and he's like and Romana's in it and I was like mm. And he's like, and Leela's in it as well. And I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how I got into it. Because uh, like the, the Romana and Leela stuff, like even that little tiny interaction just really, really sold it to me. I was like, this is going to be really interesting. Um, and just, yeah, all three box, all, all, all box sets. Uh, we live in the future Big Finishes box sets only now. It's pretty much going to be. Yeah, we are they've getting changed to that point the, now. They've changed the monthly yeah. range as well, aren't they? They're like yeah, really it's not the main range them. anymore. Yeah. As yeah, the individual doctors. Yeah. I, I just want them to stop giving the fourth doctor new companions when you know. <laughs> Rom- Ramona and Leela exist. Yeah, but the thing is with that, with Tom, that's like three years ago because that's like you know. Yeah, they record so far got- in advance. They're like they're years in advance with Tom now. They've just done so much. Quite frankly, in case he, uh, in case he, drops off his perch. Um, I mean, nobody talks about yeah, that more which... than Tom does. To be fair. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's like I'm eighty, so now I'm going to die, and you're like Tom. Like it. Why? Stop. <laughs> Please don't. Like Baker's End, for God's sake, like. So what about you then, Jane? Yeah. How did you get into Gallifrey? I think it needs a little backstory. I graduated from college in 2008, about five minutes after the economy crashed, foolishly thinking that I didn't have to go back to school for my master's right away, and would somehow get a job in my field, which I very much did not. So I ended up nannying, which is a job where you have a lot, a lot of time to consume a lot, a lot of audio. So I'd just have things on when I was hanging with my, my babelas or, like, out for walks in the park or whatever. My first fandom fanish love as an adult was Sherlock Holmes, which was a lovely, tiny, intimate little fandom, much like Gallifrey, until suddenly, <laughs> when there'd only been, <laughs> right, up until then, it was Jeremy Brett. It was a P- PBS and book-based fandom, yeah. and then suddenly it was Robert Downey Jr., and then suddenly it was Benedict Cumberbatch, and, like, it went from a tiny, in- intimate little fandom to a flipping giant fandom. So that was about when it was time to move on. <laughs> um, and I meandered from thence into Doctor Who, specifically Doctor Master fandom, in, again, an era, like, this was the 10 era, I guess, no, the 11 era. And the people who were in that corner of fandom, at least as writers, which I am, I suppose. I always feel weird saying that. You super um, are. Come on. <laughs> the people who were in that corner of fandom as as writers were very, very knowledgeable and very, very into Big Finish. So that was sort of how I made my way into it. And it must have been... This has got to be very near exactly the 10-year anniversary. Because the first fic I wrote for Gallifrey was for um, Yuletide of, of 2010. Um, I lost my mind. Uh, the person I was writing... For, so at that time, right, um, 
only season, the first three seasons of Gallifrey existed. There were no plans for any more. It had been four years since the last release, so it feel, felt like a, a dead fandom, sort of. Mm. Not a dead fandom, but like a very small fandom, very core, dedicated fandom in, a, in the way, again, that I was used to and comfortable with. So yeah, it was small enough to be a Yuletide fandom, and the request that I got was for, um, one of the requests was Ramana Narvin. Um, and I went, Ramana Narvin? I've never thought about that before. <laughs> Who would ship that? And then I thought about it for five more minutes and sat down and wrote 40,000 words. Um, for Yuletide, you have to write 1,000 words yeah, for I was your gonna recipients. Say. Yeah, I wrote a 6,000-word fic and then a 4,000-word sequel to that and then a 22,000-some word sequel to that. Um, yes. Which I, if the statistics they released were right, my, the person I was writing for got more Yuletide words than anyone else in the entire fic exchange that year <laughs> because I totally lost my brain. And it didn't stop then, because by April of the the next year, I had written a novel to round off that series. Um, another hundred thousand words or so, eighty-some thousand words. Yes, so, uh, it's got its claws in me very fast and very deep. I am a shippy human being, I like a good ship, and I love that galley is ship agnostic. That... It, it um, lets you play with every possible combination of characters, um, and that at least, for the most part, my experience of Galley fandom has been there are no ship wars, or they are very minimal. Yeah, compared to some of the fandoms that I've been in, and, like, I'm not a massively shippy person, but, like, all of the characters in Galley are, like, they're just really compelling people. Right. They feel very solid. Like, whether you're interested in a friendship side of things, whether you're interested yeah. in romance, they just are really interesting to watch interacting with each other. Yeah. Um, and that, I yeah. think, is why the first three seasons of Gallifrey have a different vibe than the later ones, mm. is that despite the amount of very tight, intricate, incredible plotting going on in the first three seasons, they are very character-focused. There's a ton of character growth. Um... Every character has an arc. Um, every character gets to develop so much. So that was really always fascinating for me and always a sandbox I wanted to play in. And it's been my fandom of choice for a decade. We'll have to throw you a party. They're not, um, <laughs> there's like no romance, especially in the first three seasons, which is, you know, kind of unusual for um, series, is at least now. Um, and yeah. I think that's what really helps there be no ship wars because there is no canon and the 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 thing itself is is ship agnostic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, apart from Andred, right? Leela and Andred. Leela deserve um, better. Which <laughs> what <laughs> I mean, say that many times. And the ship that. Sail? Sink very quickly. <laughs> Sink very quickly. Yes. Um, shipwreck. Shipwreck. It it yeah. actually yeah it wrecked Crashed before the this series even started. Yeah. So arguably. And then Romana burnt the remains. <laughs> yeah. Oh Romana. Right, but then you get these delicious little snippets. Right, you get 
the first scene of season four, which I'm sure we will all gush about oh, once gosh. an episode at least. Yeah. Um, yes. The entirety of spirit. Erasure. Yes, the entirety of spirit. You get erasure. You get um, all the other alternate universe stuff in season four. So, mm. you know, uh, wine mom Romana. I forget who nicknamed her that. Um, I think she's she's just... I think that's Jiggy's name. Um, it's, yes, it's one of those. Mom, Romana think, and Brax. Yeah, yeah, I think it really is kind of like sort of it's almost ubiquitous because she does spend the whole thing just being like, "Oh, Irving, drink some more of my family wine," <laughs> and like they just get absolutely hammered, and it's amazing. It is, or you get four point four with. Fake Narvin trying to convince real Ravana that they were married once. Oh god, that's so good. And slimy <laughs> Brax as well. Yeah. Listen, when, when my, I've, I've never written it, but I do want the AU where they were in fact married. Same. And oh, yes. Narvin and Ravana have to keep up that charade while they are an alternate Gallifrey. That would have made season five so much better. It really I would. Believe, I think it was. So Emma, Emma, for whom I wrote that giant Ramon and Arvin series, and in whose debt I forever am, as a result, um, mm. Emma wrote that a a fic like that that is very very good. If you have not read it, I believe I have. Um, if if it is a fic that was written before like <laughs> two or three years ago, probably two, when, when the fandom made that shift towards being mainly Narvin's less Leela. That's when I kind of stopped reading everything. But everything before that, if it exists, there is a 95% reason I've <laughs> read it. Uh, not reason. Um, chance. Chance, yes. And the majority of the ones I haven't read are because they are languages that I do not speak. You mean uh, Russian? <laughs> yes, I mean Russian. Uh, <laughs> there are, in fact, a few vics written in... I've seen some in Italian. I believe I've encountered some in Spanish as well. Those I put through Google Translate because I was not going to let the fact that they were in a language I don't speak stop me. The first few Russian ones are, um, I, I always wish I could read them because they were, they had that really good fan art from... Same, same. Can't, I, I can't, I can't say the URL, but you know who I mean, right, Void? Yes, I know the exact art you speak of. Yes, <laughs> like with the Sakura Blossoms and, and the one where, like, Romana is being held up by a moon in it. That's the point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so the problem with, with those is they are particularly inaccessible because you need to be a member of this one Russian site. And, I mean, finding the fic, right, like, if I have it in front of me, I can put it through Google Translate and probably make sense of it. But the process of signing up for a website in a different language and actually doing so successfully via Google Translate, that is a lot harder, which is why I haven't read those. I, I did that for the Finnish Hobby Horse website, and that was when Google Translate kept giving me, you know, all those swear words. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. If this but bit yeah. makes it onto the podcast, and anyone who's listening is in fact or speaks Russian, give us a shout. <laughs> hit, hit us up with that fig. Yeah. In that good, good fig. Yeah. yeah, I get 
request sometimes to translate my stuff into other languages, but I never see it going the other way. Yes, the Russian pick in English, please. Yes, please. We have an audience. I think that's an interesting point, though, that, like, long-term, longitudinally, this fandom has moved. Right, you guys are pointing out, um, you remember the art, right? We were saying, like, the art that you found, Void, pretty much had to be Alice because it was a certain age and she was the only person doing galley art that anybody knew of, at least, at that time. I mean, I remember that stuff really solidly as well. It was some of, like, the first stuff that I came across when I kind of, like, joined the fandom on Tumblr, I suppose. But I think, um, it's emblematic of the fact that the fandom went from a hugely predominantly written fandom and I feel like it's now a very predominantly visual fandom. Yeah. Very good point, yes. Yeah. Mm. Which maybe coincides and has something to do with the transition to Tumblr from live journal, the live journal era. We oh, mentioned that oh, too. Oh, almost certainly, I would assume. I think it was a, I mean, it was a slow process. Like, there was a point where it was, like, kind of half and half, I feel. Yeah, it was not instant at all. Um, even, like, AO3 was pretty new. Um, when Galley fandom was really first starting up. There were a handful. There were a handful of things when I started writing. Um, oh, I wish I could remember. Lizby. Lizby was the best. Um, way, 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 way back in the day. Um, Aralius. Her stuff is amazing. I don't think Exlas ever did Galley fic. Her... Dr. Master stuff is flipping fantastic. But, yeah. That's sort of who there was at that time. It was super, super tiny, the pool of people writing way, way back. And there was the um, Gallifrey fanzine last year that, you know, was entirely art. There was there was no uh, written stuff in it. And yeah, yeah I, was... I, I was very sad to see that because when I saw the, the post about it, I was like, oh... I am so excited by this, I want to join, but then, no, I cannot, because these hands cannot draw. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I remember when I sort of joined the fandom, um, there, um, it was still sort of also transitioning to AO3, not, obviously not quite as much as it would have been when you joined Jane, um, but I mean, fanfic.net was still their thing back then, which <laughs> I know it's still... <laughs> It, I mean, I know that website still exists. Um, I I visited a few months ago for research for something. Um, <laughs> wait, that sounded really suspicious. <laughs> I was honestly just like looking for something, um, a particular thing I'd encountered years ago um, for a different fandom. Having seen sort of right, just the way the fandom sort of shifted to AO3 and how it's changed a lot since then. Um, I think, like, since I started listening just in the wake of season 6 coming out, which at the time we also thought would be the end, um, which is why I am also very fond of season 6, because for ages for me that was sort of where it ended, and I think um, Ascension, like, uh, the third episode of the sixth box set was... It was so good and it honestly it it was the perfect end to the show um like and i'm not <laughs> saying that stuff after that 
Oh, I can see you disagree, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about... <laughs> I, I love it as an episode, and I will have a lot of things to say to it when we get to that episode. <laughs> I am excited. Um, From a novice the... character development point of view, because I'm way too attached to our boy. Oh, uh, yeah, gosh. To, no. to me at the time, it felt like sort of... That was a very... But I think that's also uh, a thing of... I marathoned through those six seasons. Um, mm. And that's, you know, interesting point of views of, of, of different points of view because we started at different times. But, but yeah, so just at, at the time that was the end and, and seeing sort of how fandom has changed since then with the different releases has been very interesting. Next episode, we'll be discussing Weapon of Choice, the first proper episode of Gallifrey. But first, here's a few thoughts we have about it before we get to listen to it ourselves. Jane, why are we talking about Weapon of Choice? <laughs> sure. Okay. So, for future episodes, the format that we're hoping to follow is we will talk about the episode that we have recently re-listened to. So none of us, to the best of nine knowledge, has cheated and gotten a start too soon on this re-listen. Nope. Um, and then the at the end of the episode, we will talk about what we remember about the following episode. Um, so in this episode, obviously, you've heard we've got all of our intro stuff. And so to finish it off, we're going to give a little talk about what we remember about Weapon of Choice to lead into our first real episode. I think the main thing I remember is my reaction to the first time I heard it. Um, that the, the beginning bit with Leela is amazing. And I was like, who is this guy? What? Who? This is really interesting. Um, and then just the the Narvin and Brax bickering at the beginning, and I was sold. Like it, it took like less than five minutes, and I was like, I'm on. I was on the website buying the next one because um, I was just like, I need more of this now. The uh, um, above apoplexy, but be- um, below incandescence line. It just it's gold. I still remember it. Like it's one of them phrases that will stick in my head forever because it's just. The delivery and it, like that whole just that little bit, and I was like, I don't know either of these characters. I hate them and I love them already. I think we can all agree that's like a very it was a very good and iconic opening scene. Like as as you say, I think mm. we can all remember that one pretty well. I mean, I think even the the sort of the the little pre um, pre theme song scene. That one is also out in the outlands. Yeah, yeah. The no, not 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 that one. The uh, the one with the, with the the, the sort of different agents from the different time frame races. Yeah. Oh yes. That one, the yeah. one with the time, the timonic fusion device. You have to say it like that. Um. That one, I I just remember listening to that scene and just I found it so fascinating. Like, with with that one scene, they'd opened this whole new world. There was. All of these little plot lines already forming, you know, so much world building, all these characters, um, just chef's kiss. The, <laughs> the last time I listened to Weapon of Choice, I think, was actually um, late last year, um, because um, I decided to use it as practice for my first TV script to do an adaption to just like get down the the structure, um, and I listened to that very first opening scene like many times, but 
I think it's it, Weapon of Choice worked as a pilot to the audio series really well. Um, but trying to make it work as a pilot for a wider audience that don't come in with that like pre knowledge of Doctor Who and and everything was mm. was really hard. It had yeah. I had to like yeah. So one of the things for me was was Leela sort of you know and sort of like oh you know actually you know that's one of the things that someone who grew up with the classic series uh, what what happened to Leela after she left the doctor you know and and then you sort of get to weapon of choice and it's like oh well actually you know her husband is missing you know and angela's missing you know so you know or, or believe dead so um, Leela deserved better anyway yeah absolutely so you know so that sort of starts a whole oh well you know, she's she's grieving for for her husband but that in your head, you know, when you first listen to that, that that's that frees Leela up into to do other things. So so that that I remember sort of being quite intrigued by, you know. So what did happen to Android? That, that was that was a that was a definite thread, uh, and and yeah, and and obviously the whole sort of Brax thing, and you know, just just the sense that oh, you know. Oh, I remember the time on infusion device. Ooh, you know, and just you know, just that whole. Oh, you know, it, it's a flimsy explanation, but he sort of you know, but he delivers it so well. You know, he delivers yeah, everything well. It's why he's such yeah. a good character, among other things. Yeah. So I remember that, and I remember the whole thing you know, with with Nepenthe. Um, so, so yeah, so I remember, I remember that, um, but. And, and I just remember Romana being very, very weary with the whole, you know, oh, God, I've got to talk to the high moaning again, you know, and just, you know, just, just, she's so done. God, you the know, high already. moaning impressions, the high moaning impressions, I'd forgotten. Yes. Oh. You know, <laughs> Romana is so done at so many points in Gallifrey, you know, but... Even in Weapon of Choice, she's just so done with having to speak to the high moment. That, that's yeah. one of the, the like quite um, that the things that that have have quite a lot of context missing if you just listen to Weapon of Choice because President Romana is quite different to you know Romana when we last see her in uh, um, Warriors Gate, and um, I. I I think it makes a lot more sense when you've listened to the Apocalypse Element and Neverland and Zagreus. But it's quite an ask to, to tell someone, like, oh yeah, this is the first episode, but you should probably listen to, like, three epi- other episodes as well. De- definitely later on, and we'll come to, to it. Um, yeah. The stuff in uh, Blind Eye where, where certainly because I was listening to Gallifrey before I'd heard Zagreus, I was like, hang on. <laughs> what? You hadn't listened to the stuff. <laughs> Sorry? You hadn't listened to no. the stuff. Uh, I was kind of doing them in parallel. Right. So I was kind of... Um, Call yourself so, an eight yeah. man. <laughs> so I'd bought, the, I'd bought the Charlie bundle, the first sort of, yeah, everything up to Zagreus. Um, uh, 
so I was kind of listening to a season of Gallifrey and then I'd sort of go and listen to some eight and you know, then go back to Gallifrey. And so, is Arcadian so, yeah. in this episode? Yes, yes, he is. Yes. yes. I think yes. another thing I just remember from my first listen is um, not going to get too much into it now, um, obviously, because we'll be talking about it next week. But that thing Romana does with with the Stacer, where um, she oh has Rex yeah. for his Stacer and then gives it to yes. Arcadian, yes. has him kidnap her. I just, I feel like that was, I mean, because I already knew Romana, I already, like, really liked her, but I think that was the moment that I was like, I love President Romana. Yeah. Like, that moment. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. It was very good. Yeah. The fact that Brex carries the Stazer at all is weird to me, and we'll talk about that one next week. Slimy Brex has a Stazer. And arguably they're all Slimy Brexes. Slimier Brex. Arguably there's only one Brex. Just, I've just remembered, uh, God, I don't know if I can pronounce this right, Aturabrax. That that was a good line. <laughs> yes, Aturabrax did that, yeah. The one that, this is not something I remember from my first watch, it's something I, or listen, rather, um, it's something that has stuck out to me on subsequent listens as being such a good example of how well plotted the first three seasons are, is... Narvin's speech um, about um, oh the creeping boobos <laughs> the Daleks will get us yeah. right? which A so establishes him so well as the slimy little jerk with so much growth to do who we all know and love but B <laughs> the fact that the specific things he lists I know. Right? plague and Daleks are things that he will himself be a refugee from yeah. very soon. Yeah. When yeah. he's making a speech about refugees, is just like, what a mic drop, Gary Russell. Yeah, I love. It's it's such it's it's such a good like just introduction to the character as well because like up until that point we'd had Vansell, who was Vansell about everything. Great character, but he was Vansell. Um, so then, to bring Narvin in as, like, the new character to this, because, like, arguably everybody else was an excellent character, Brax was already fairly well established at that point in other mediums and things like that, like, he'd been in the books for ages and under Benny Audios. So to bring in Narvin as the other main character of the four of them, along with canines, was quite a big thing to establish a character that was, like, that kind of, like, central, um... I think was it Gary in one of the behind the scenes things talks about him being kind of like the moral centre of Gallifrey in a way. The heart of the story. His kind of like development. And I know that listening back to it the last time I re-listened to it, I was just kind of like, Narvin was right. He was a xenophobic asshat, but he was right about so many things that Romana does later on in the like sort of season two. And like I remember like I sort of like looking back at the first time I'd listened to it, like every time Narvin shows up, I'm like, Can he just go away? Go away go away and now like you know that, that's now every time he's like on like on on screen, as it were, for like more than three seconds, I'm like, "There's my boy, there's Nobby." That's a really interesting <laughs> thing. I think him. we've all talked about a lot at different times. That um, in the first lesson, you're on Romana's side, um, and then mm-hmm. in later lessons, you've seen where Romana's decisions end up taking her, and and as as bad 
Gladys Darkell is and, and some of the other um, characters who are, you know, her antagonists, um, you know, they did have, have a point. Uh, Romana was going off the deep end. Just, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, when you look at it, like, objectively... You know, like, you know, Romana had good reasons and she felt she was doing the right thing. But, I mean, she does literally, like, become a dictator. Like, she that's a thing she does. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but that is a thing that she does. And you, I mean, again, like, the first listen, you're like, yes, this makes sense. This is her only choice. But then... When you listen to it again, you're like, Romana, what are you doing? Just stop for a second and think this through. Or just listen to Leela for more than three seconds, Romana. stop pushing her away. Like, Listen to anybody who cares about you, Romana. Yeah. Um, and on the topic of Marvin and him being like a new main character, I, uh, in one of the interviews Sean did, um, I think he said something about like when he got given the part, he expected it to be like another small bit part. And when the script came mm. in, he was like, "Wait, I have a lot of lines." Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, they wrote it for him, didn't they? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Like he was the one that they'd kind of gone, "Yes, this he, one." He he um, was in Natural History of Fear, and was and a total fanboy over Louise Jameson and, I and Louise really liked him and said to Gary or Nick or both of them I think like you know you should get him in again and kind of sealed his fate one thing I do want to mention before we end is um, I have seen people making the point that um, even though the story focuses on Romana and Leela. Narvin is the real main character of, of mm. Gallifrey. Along that same point of he is the heart of it. But um, up until very recently he was actually the only character that had been in every episode. I hadn't thought about that actually. But yeah, he is, isn't he? I believe that um, Mother Tongue is the only one mm. that he hasn't been in. Yeah. No spoilers. He dies, Scar. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not gonna say anything about it, but I mean, that one is in the episode description, so. Yeah, no, he's dead now. But don't worry, no spoilers. But yeah, I just, I wanted to add that to that point, that, um, that it is very easy to read this, this as being the story of Narvin. Yeah. Narvin's story. Yeah. That being said, the episodes that don't have Romana and Leela together in them. Uh, probably my least favorite, and I think that's why I have issues with season five. Um, yeah, is that they're they're, they're not they're, they're not together. They're apart. not. Yeah, they don't have that kind of like very emotional conversation. Like yeah. Romano doesn't talk in emotions, right? But like Leela's almost kind of like. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Obama's anger translator? I don't know if anybody else saw that. Leela's a kind of like emotional translator for. For like all of the idiot time lords around her who like just can't or won't process it, she's the one that manages to pull those emotions out. So when Romana and Leela are separate, are separated, they kind of like there's less room for that to bounce around. And like it's a really interesting concept, but I think in practice it doesn't work as well. That said, I have loved some of the more recent time war things. 
Mm-hmm. You you can feel in a lot of them that the series was conceptualized as Romana and Lila. Mm-hmm. And when you separate them, the writers sometimes struggle yeah. with finding their footing yeah. without having both of them. Yeah. I mean, they have good stories without Oh yeah, definitely. Them. It just doesn't feel the same. But it doesn't feel like yeah. Gallifrey. Yeah, because it was, it, you know, started as a Louise and Lala like working together and, and you know, had, had a chemistry. Well, was, wasn't it Louise and Lala worked together and Lala went to Gary and just went, you will put us together again. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary was like, you don't say it, no to Lala War. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it's it's an accident that she's playing a president. No, somehow. Um, I mean, she, ha- she has offered a few times uh, to do it in real life as well. For some reason, whenever... <laughs> For some reason, whenever people get to that topic of Lala and her force of personality, I I just always remember that part from some of the outtakes where she's just like in recording and she is um talking about how Romana speaks and there's that line where she's like Ms. President Ms. President it sounds as if I run a brothel Romana is the president and Norvin's loud in his descent and Leela has wise things to say and they Thanks for listening.